Welcome back to another episode of Mrs. King's Chronicles, a fan-run podcast for the 80s television hit Scarecrow Mrs. King. I'm Taya Johnston, and I'm joined by my friends and fellow podcasters Lexi Fema, Jen Peterson, and Miranda Thomas. In this episode, we'll be dissecting Season 3's Wrong Number. So like Taya said, we're going to be talking about the Season 3 episode, Wrong Number. It aired originally on March 3rd, 1986. We've already talked about the director before. His name is Bert Brinkerhoff. We talked about him specifically in Utopia Now. He was a director for eight Scarecrow Mrs. King episodes. Again, we've already talked about him, but the episodes that he directed were in addition to Utopia Now and Wrong Number, Stemwinder 1 and 2, Rumors of My Death, Do You Take This Spy, and A Matter of Choice. Interestingly enough, it also said that he was credited with the pilot, which was definitely not true, um, but it literally said pilot, and when you click on it, it had, it was like a shadow, um, like, page for the first time, but it was Rod Holcomb that, that directed it, like, Bert was never... Anyway, so it was just like a weird little happenstance. So if anyone were to look at it online, it would say eight episodes, but it seems like it's only seven because for some reason Bert was credited with um, directing pilot, which he definitely did not. So something a little a little interesting and, and strange. That is interesting. Get that corrected. The writer was David G. B. Brown. He was born in January 1947, and he unfortunately passed away at 67 years old in September 2014. He has writing credits for eight different shows. Uh, One was called Code Red, uh, which I had never heard about before. It was about drama about an L.A. fire department that had seven episodes uh, in the early 80s. He also wrote for an episode of Hunter, specifically the episode Me, Myself, and Die. And then he also wrote for seven episodes of Scarecrow and Mrs. King. So including Wrong Number, also Jay Edgar's Ghost, The Boy Who Could Be King, Photo Finish, Promises to Keep, One Blue East, and A Matter of Choice. So for the guest stars today, two have actually already been discussed, but I'll briefly just mention them. They both had, obviously, multiple appearances in the show. So first is James Cromwell. He played Gregory, and we first talked about him in Tales of Dancing Weasel. These were the only two episodes that he was in for Scarecrow and Mrs. King, and again, we've already talked about him, so I won't reiterate all that information. The other person is Alan Graff, who I remember talking talking about when I did the guest stars for Reach for the Sky. He played Towns of Doctor in this episode. Uh, he was uncredited, and similarly enough, he played the guest guard in Reach for the Sky, where he was also uncredited. Other listeners, and maybe the ladies who I'm taking will remember, he was the actor with 100-plus acting credits, but he's also a well-known stuntman with over 200 plus stunt credits so that's who this guy is so getting into the nitty-gritty of the guest stars first one i'll talk about today is andrew diva he played edgar he was born in july 1955 in venezuela he seemed to have been typecast pretty heavily as a russian individual uh so for aircrafts is king specifically including wrong number he's been in three episodes the other is bad timing he played a russian guard and in the Khrushchev list, playing a Russian soldier. He has 111 total acting credits in everything from The Twilight Zone, The A-Team, Conan, Walker, Texas Ranger, Criminal Minds, Burn Notice, CSI Miami. He was also in Lost for eight episodes from 2006 to 2010 as Mikhail uh, Bakken. 
He was also in Taya, the Blacklist, from 2015 to 16 as Karakurt, or Karakurt? I can't remember how it was pronounced. How do you spell it? K-A-R-A-K-U-R-T. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yes. Okay. As soon as, as soon as I read it, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. How funny. I'm horrible about that. Last night, we, Lane, I came to bed and Lane was watching Once Bitten, which is like an 80s, really bad vampire uh, movie. Oh my God, I love that movie. Okay, do you know who's in it? Who the girl is? I was like, I know her. And Lane goes, who is it? And I go, you know her too. And he's like, no. I'm like, wasn't it Melrose Place? I'm like, no, that's not her. That's not who I was thinking. And I'm like, kept watching. How do you, he, he looks it up and he goes, how do you know this person? I There's nothing on here that I would. And I go, oh, it's Scarecrow. And he goes, of course it is. And I go, Sonia Chenka. It was Sonia Chenka. She was in it. She was the, ver- the um, she was um, the girlfriend to Jim Carrey. That is sad. It was so, I was like, holy crap. Oh my God, it's horrible. And uh, Lauren Bacall's in it. It's so bad. It's so bad. But anyways, I was like, I'm horrible about recognizing people outside of the show, you know? Yeah. I finally got it. So sorry about that. I just had to say it so I didn't forget. No, that's really funny. That's great. So in film, he's been in The Hunt for Red October, Toy Soldiers, and Air Force One, and among many others, of course. But he is still active. He has two projects currently in post-production. Next, I'll talk about Jana Marie Hupp. She played Rhonda in this episode. She was born in April 1964 in Washington, and Rung Number is her only Scarecrow Mrs. King experience. She has 38 total acting credits. Uh, she's in an episode of Hunter. She played Todd's ex-girlfriend in A Child Is Born. She was on Seinfeld as a character named Sasha in The Conversion. She was on Friends as Mindy in The One with Barry and Mindy's Wedding. And her most prolific appearance was on the show Ed from 2000 to 2004 as Nancy Burton. And she was in 83 episodes of that. So her last credit was in 2016. Next, I'll talk about Peter Jurassic. He played Dr. Will Town uh, and Popovich. He was born in April 1950 in Queens, New York. He was only in this one episode of Scarecrow Mrs. King, uh, but had parts in other shows and movies for sure. So he's got around 80 total acting credits. Um, he was in Matlock, MASH, NYPD Blue, Hill Street Blues, Remington Steel, Growing Pains. And then he was also in a couple things with Bruce. So specifically in Tron, he played a character called Crom. And he was in Babylon 5 for 110 episodes as Londo Malari. He was really good in that. Yeah? Okay. I figured he did. I mean, 110 episodes is obviously a lot. Oh, yeah. He's a main character. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Uh, So his last acting credit was in 2017. The final one I'll talk about today is Lee Wilcoff. He played Taggart in this episode. He was born in June 1951 in Ohio. He has 106 total acting credits, uh, and this is his only appearance in Scarecrow Mrs. King. So some notable acting credits for him. He was in Heart to Heart for 11 episodes. Hunter in The Investing Angel as Dr. Yeager. He was in Ally McBeal as a district attorney for seven episodes. He was in School of Rock, uh, which is one of my favorite movies as Mr. Green. And for you, Taya, he was in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel as Melvin, in the episode Midnight at the Concord. Okay, I'm going to have to check that one, recheck that one out. Hmm. Yeah, and he has a couple of projects in post-production as well. Is Ted the guy that was with Gregory? No, that's Edgar. That's 
Edgar. Amanda's first official assignment as agent of record involves deciphering between an American mathematician with coding skills and a Russian agent doppelganger who's trying to impersonate him. The agency must figure out his true identity before they organize a trade with the Russians to free a captured American agent. Just to start out, we have two scripts. We have the shooting draft dated January 27th, 1986. And we have an original uh, shooting final dated January 29th, 1986. There wasn't much change between the two, but there's definitely changes between the episode, what we got filmed and what were, uh, what's in the script. In this case, we got the better end of the stick. The tag, there's two different tags in these scripts and they both suck in comparison to the, what we actually got filmed. So that was good. Yeah. You'll be like, oh, that's kind of lame, you know? So, uh, so we are not starting out for the first time in forever. We're not starting out in uh, DC with shots of DC. We actually are supposedly, we're in California, let's be real, but we're uh, actually in Punjir Valley in Afghanistan, but it's definitely California. Flat riverbed there. Yeah. Probably more like a, a wash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely not Afghanistan. <laughs> they gave it their best shot. Yeah, I know, I know. Enough, at least they did yeah. something. At least they didn't just keep it in D.C., you know? <laughs> yeah. We see a supply truck come up. And it is, there's two people in it and they are definitely American looking. One of them seems awfully familiar to us. I think uh, we can all agree. We, we've seen those blue eyes before. Not especially common in that area of the world. <laughs> no, not at all. And she's got quite the little getup on too. Even in that getup, she tries to be the fashionista. Of <laughs> she must be hot in that though. Holy heck. Even her is like orange, you know, like it's just, it's a statement. She's so always got a statement for sure. Mm-hmm. You can go ahead and add my uh, vote for worst outfits to Francine for this whole episode. Oh, you don't like it? There isn't a single outfit in this entire episode that I like. You didn't like the blue, the 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 Smurf blue um at the end? Jumpsuit, no. No, 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 no. Not at all, huh? Okay. No. This this whole episode, pretty much. Because, yeah, she's a total fashionista for somebody who's trying to stay undercover in a foreign country. <laughs> it's not realistic to you, then, her? No. Oh, my God. No, no, no. And when it's funny because I had forgotten before I watched it again this time how truly terrible her outfit is for an undercover person. And she's supposed to be in Afghanistan, right? Yep. Good lord. <laughs> and this is Crimes Against Fashion. Crimes Against Fashion. Francine strikes again. If it wasn't for the fact that she was supposed to be realistic, I actually kind of like the contrasting white and brown. I know. That's what I was just going to say. The two um, patterns. Yeah. Yeah. If it wasn't for the fact that she could have been more realistic about it, you know? Yeah. you got to pick a specific outfit, though. You can't just say the whole episode. Find the light blue jumpsuit. So at the end? Yeah. Okay. But pretty much everything she wears in this episode, even while she's abducted. Oh my gosh. Poor Francine. I'm picking on her. You're not the first one to pick on Francine. <laughs> I'm going to pick James Cromwell. Nice. Just because there's not a ton for season three of guest stars. But you know, something interesting in the credits, when they run the credits at the end, he's listed as Jamie Cromwell. 
instead of James Cromwell. I didn't even yeah, know he even went by that. I wonder if he does. I mean, he is just an error. I don't know. Does he go by Jamie? Is that his real name? I don't know, but you would think it would... Maybe he went as Jamie Cromwell until he got really famous. I don't know. His nickname is Jamie. Alternate names, Jamie Cromwell. There you go. I've just never seen him uh, credited that way before. His trademark is towering height and slender frame. That is true. Six six inches tall. Good Lord. I remember him in Babe, the pig. You remember? And he'd go, that'll do, pig. That'll do. That was him at the end. You ever, do you ever see it? Long time ago. Yeah, when it first came out, that's when I saw it. But he was he was the farmer, you know, the the owner huh. of Babe. Everything about him is tall and slender. His his face, his nose. Yeah, he's right. very long. Yeah. Yep. We kind of get the sense we know this person because they're obviously all covered up, and it is in fact uh, Ms. Desmond, normal fashionista. Apparently, not so much now. But you can really see her when her blonde hair is gone. You know, hidden. Her eyes look so much bluer. They pop, for sure. They definitely do. Wearing a sari in general, because it makes her eyes more visible. You know what I mean? Like, it makes them stick out more. So the fact that she's got such brilliantly colored blue eyes, Mm -hmm. on top of the fact that everything else is covered. Yeah. I agree. Right. Even though you hate her outfits. (laughs) I hate her outfits in this episode, but her eyes are beautiful. (laughs) Now, uh, there's a whole bunch of guys, and... uh, why I don't get it. So, was the whole idea just to to kidnap an American, or because they don't really go after the they? It's not like it seems like the guns are secondary to them. Doesn't it just seem like they're just trying to kidnap an American agent? Yeah, because that's the whole plot. Because they want to get the American in return. Or I mean, the, uh, to get to get town. Russian in return. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like yeah, they're coming in definitely like outnumbered to begin with so it seems more like a take them by force type of situation right than just hey we're gonna get some guns and move on but what would be the motive for the americans like what were they attempting to do except get caught you know what i mean like what why were they there giving guns to the afghanis yeah she said it was a milk run later so but that's not really a milk run no selling guns (laughs) yeah you're giving guns to potential likely terrorists right yeah maybe they were just gonna arrest them but it seemed like they were outnumbered yeah so outnumbered (laughs) they probably okay here's my rationalization okay they were gonna sell the guns to whoever you know showed up and then follow them back and arrest the whole big gang of rebels okay okay there's my there's my rationalization out of all your rationales uh, that one's pretty solid so she's just dropping it off and then she's out of there and then they can trace the gun okay this is this is 2020 rationale on a 1986 show right (laughs) very true very true now of course she's got a backup plan um she's not going to let them get the guns which is great i'm sure they don't need any more she's got the little uh, clicker thing that she's going to set off and they make sure that we see that by zooming in right on it. Yeah. And then she waits and then clicks it and then the the whole truck explodes. So the guns are no longer an issue. But it does, again, it seemed like it was secondary. They didn't really seem to care. Maybe they were going to blow up the, the guns in the, like, with all the rebels. Well, she'd have to have a backup plan because now she has no transportation to get out of there either. Right, right. Well, I, don't know what, I don't know what their plan is. <laughs> <laughs> they ain't got no plan. <laughs> I just blew up my only truck to get out. <laughs> and now I'm stuck with armed people who are going to capture me. 
Well, and then I love how the, they try and sneak off. Like somehow they're going to escape, you know, eight, nine people there with, with, you know, semi-automatic machine guns. Yeah, I mean, maybe if a helicopter had sort of come in right away, <laughs> you know, that would have made more sense to back him up. And then the guy leaves her kind of, he's like, takes off and then he gets killed. And then she kind of looks down like, oh, okay, I guess I don't have to worry about him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Big explosion, though. I bet props people love that. They take off and and they're right by water. So wait, (laughs) do they have like water like that? Just running like that in Afghanistan? Isn't it like a desert? (laughs) I'm sure they have washes. You know, when it rains, it just kind of floods these washes, dries up. But that was like a little free flowing thing. That's California. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the desert, you know, like Tucson, they have... Obviously, they don't get a lot of rain. It's a desert, but they have a lot of big washes. So when it does rain, it just moves through there real quick. And it can't look like that. Oh, okay. And then it'll dry up eventually. Yeah, okay. And to my Afghanistan is similar. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll just have to assume. So now Francine's been caught and uh she doesn't even try and fight she's just like okay i'm stuck here she doesn't have a gun or anything and then they take off her headscarf and left her with a big fro (laughs) that is a mess of hair (laughs) a mess it's probably all sweaty and everything too from being in there and now we get to see lee you know remember when uh, martha said that uh they told her this year we're we're gonna do brown i think they said to, to to Bruce, this year we're going to do gray because I swear that's all they do is put him in gray in season three now. Mm. All shades of gray. Insert 50 shades of gray joke here. <laughs> yeah, and I noticed his hair starting to grow out in the back too. Yeah. Like, slowly but surely. Yeah. Gray and longer hair. Gray clothes, not gray hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's not quite that old yet. We're back at the agency now and Billy and Lee are walking down the hall and, uh, and, uh, Lee's saying, hey, anybody killed? And he's like, the KGB sprung a trap. So that was a KGB that was back there, which uh, one of the guys definitely looked Russian. Billy's asking Lee to do a nose count, make sure, you know, they're not missing anybody. They assume that uh, Abernathy, Bob Abernathy, is the likely suspect that's going to get, be caught or hurt possibly because that's where he's stationed, uh, presumably. And he was the one that was supposed to be doing it, so. Yeah, and then... (laughs) Lee says that whole country's a shooting gallery and the Russians are trying like hell to win a Cupid doll. And then you see Billy like walking off and he's like, Cupid doll, that's pretty funny. He's like amused by the whole thing and then just leaves. I guess that phrase is used quite a bit, but that's, I, haven't, I haven't heard it as much as I'm, I'm here. Cupid doll? Yeah. Yeah, they do. They've used it a couple times. That and that whole um, the uh, rumors of my death thing, you know, uh, Mark Twain saying they've used that. They use that three times yeah. once in here and then a couple one previous and then one coming up. So is it, does anybody have a Cupid doll in this on this call or a family member that has a Cupid doll? A Cupid doll. No, I do not. I no, don't. My tattoo artist has a couple that she has like in her little stall. They're like a little bit weird and part of our history dolls in general just give me kind of cre- <laughs> yeah i don't really have any i don't have any actually i do have my old cabbage patch doll though i do wow because it was such like a big deal and back then in the 80s and that's about it <laughs> i think i have a one doll and it's in my trunk in storage but i didn't keep any of my barbies i know we talked about that recently <laughs> and i'm very sad about not keeping my barbies uh i did have one doll i kept i guess i know i have uh, 
taxes and boxes of American Girl, My Twin, Bitty Baby, Barbie. Okay, when can we come over to play? Because I want to play Barbie so bad. (laughs) I know that they're up in the attic and I dread having to go through all of them. There are so many. Yeah, I've been there. I went through three people's Barbie dolls. So I was going to say, I've seen her, I've seen Miranda's collection of Barbie dolls uh, and the dolls and they're all in the cases and everything. She's got a collection. I've got my Cabbage Patch dolls. I've got my friend Mandy, which is a doll that I got when I was a tiny child. My mom got it for me because it had my same name. And then I have an entire case full of Ashton Drake dolls that my mom collected. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The dolls that like their eyes seem to follow you. That's what creeps me out. I do regret I gave my Barbies to my cousin and then her brothers tortured them. They'd like pop their heads off and put firecrackers down their bodies and then blew them up. And they were horrible. They were terrible to them. And I, I regret, regret, regret giving them away. I wish I would have kept them, even though I didn't have girl daughters to give them to, but I would have played with them. (laughs) It's still nice to have those momentum. Yeah, it is. It's just, it's hard when you have a lot of stuff, but I think you can air it down and keep the real special ones. Yeah. Hey, you have some special dollies, like, like dolls and stuff specifically scarecrow. oh yes 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 i do have um that's yeah in the in the cave yes i do have i have a bruce doll and i have several kate dolls and i have that special painted one by noel Mm -hmm. whatever his name was i can't remember now cruz i think noel cruz yeah that one was very expensive but very cool (laughs) the hand-painted one that looks like kate more it's kate doll but it's really looks like kate now yeah that was Mm -hmm. cool i was excited to get that one so you, so you have some, yeah. I do have, I guess I do have them. some. No, I haven't played with them. I'd look like a weirdo. Hi, now kid. <laughs> do it, Lexi, so I can get a good sound bite. Now kid. I love that when she does that. Yeah. Now kid with a little lisp. Yeah, so I didn't realize, yeah, I, I, I uh, do have a few. We're now at the Q Bureau and Amanda seems to have taken over uh, poor Lee's desk and uh, she's got the cute we were just talking about this in another episode I was editing uh, with her little belts she's got the little that little V belt that's probably go around like my my thigh right <laughs> like a thigh um, knife strap or something. yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Lee comes in and he's kind of in a rush kind of doesn't even doesn't even really acknowledge her she's like what's the matter your shirt tail on fire and then he goes she gets out of his chair and he goes to sit down and this is actually in the script which is odd I don't understand like there's no like I don't get it first off why does she have a a cactus sitting in the chair with her because she was sitting there and it was behind her I don't get why it was sitting there and then uh, he comes in, sits down, and doesn't even notice it. And then you hear a big crunch of like terracotta pots <laughs> getting uh, broken. And uh, he probably has a little, few little prickers in there in his tush <laughs> that needs to be removed. I could help. I'm just saying uh, if he wanted any assistance. <laughs> but 
But then the one cactus has a pot. It's like, you know how they have that saucer that goes underneath it? I think that's what broke. Okay, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of how I saw it as it's the saucer part. Because he has the pot. When he sh- picks it up, the pot is looks to be in, in working order. I think it was the saucer, you know, that keeps the water from spilling that's out. Not everything. a big saucer, but okay. Yeah, I'll... that's what. Well, that's the only thing I, I can I think thought, of. I thought, it was just, I thought it was just like, you know, like the little plastic thing that they put around it. And then the, the actual pot itself broke. But either way, not comfortable. It's definitely the terracotta that broke because you can hear the sound of it. It's definitely the terracotta it's not plastic but the terracotta it looked like it was all the same thing it just was a piece of it well, terracotta doesn't break when you sit on it like that <laughs> yeah it would yeah it, it, it it's like yeah, you know it's, it's ceramic you know yeah, yeah it's, it's pottery, pottery. It, it would break well and i have a lot of cat, cacti um because you know i'm from arizona and so i really like them but i do appreciate them bringing them into this episode yeah it but, just doesn't make sense it's like so uh, it, random yeah but Miranda, for your your sake, they like very porous pots and media, like soil. So it, it does break quite easily because it's sort of like a porous uh, ceramic. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't realize they broke that easily. Oh yeah, I had a I have an angel made out of one, and her wings broke. So I definitely know that it's breakable. Aww. Yeah, but I still have it. It's just now it's just a little child without wings. Kind of weird. Probably should get rid of it. So like a person. It's like a person, a little child. <laughs> It reminds me of my little, my uh, sister that passed away. So that's why I, I kept it. You can put like one of those little fabric wings, you know, with the little over there. Oh, the fabric yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. I'll take a picture and show you guys what I'm talking about. So you don't think I'm a creeper, but yeah. So anyways, Lee sits on it and then she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, she probably wants to just kind of giggle a little bit about him sitting there breaking it but he's he's really irritated you know when you're like just trying to help out and someone's like kind of grumpy and you're trying to be like serious because they're serious but you're like come on chill out he just gives her a look like really with his little and then scoops it up and he's all mad he's like asking her what she's doing she's talking about uh, the working on the project that billy put her on and he's like is that really necessary and she's like hey i'm not gonna do a slipshod job on my first assignment a solo assignment and he goes you know he, he's very condescending in this episode and quite snarky yeah. she gets she gives it right back don't get me wrong but she, he's very snarky in this he's like totally like demeaning and, and like saying well he was just humoring you when he called it that like why do you have to do that i don't get that yeah i put her down I, yeah. it just doesn't like he, i feel like he just always takes his frustration out on her and i don't know if it's because he thinks that she can handle it but it's just not nice like she is not i think I she's yeah. not like punching that yes i was just gonna say that i mean but but that's what it feels like sometimes like he's just taking it out his frustrations on her and it's not nice and it's not fair exactly i think maybe he's frustrated he's not acting on other feelings that he has that's my theory <laughs> That it comes out in like grumpy, you know what I mean? But that's like that's like going back to elementary school. Like, oh, if a boy's mean to you, then that means he likes you. Like, he should have way number one, he should have way more control over that. But also, he has a whole ass black book that he could call and like work out those frustrations. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> but he's trying. Like, he's what? moving. This is the new Lee, and he's kind of working away from. He doesn't live like that anymore those those Maybe. they don't fill his need you know and <laughs> not in that way you pervert i thought they kind of did it just to make a better story because 
then in the end when she's right. Yeah. Know. Oh, and there's but, some funny things in the script too yeah. about all that. It's hilarious. So, but maybe he just extra crowded on this day. But but yeah, it, it makes for a better. Oh, there's so much fire the between so. them. Yeah, it's yeah. great. I do like her hair here. With it's longer, so she's got the sides up in the combs. Gives it a little bit more volume to it. I think it looks nice. Yeah. And of course, she's got her soft white and pink on, as always. But she's um, talking about doing... <laughs> I do love how when he gets up, he's like rubbing his butt and he's like, ow! <laughs> about that cactus. She's explaining that she's doing security checks for Billy. And she wants to make sure she's doing a good job. Because, of course, if you're going to do something, you want to do it right. Right? Right. Right. Anyways, she asks him why he's in such a hurry. And he's explaining that... They they've heard rumors that some one of one of their own one of the, the American agents have been caught in uh, Afghanistan and she's like well who and he's like well we don't know you know we can't figure that out that's why we gotta he's gotta do a nose count kind of thing now there's a whole little section the difference in this this scene from the script uh, and this one is specifically the shooting draft. From January 27th of 86, he when he asks, she's explaining what she's doing for Mr. Melrose. And he goes, he responds, half an ear, you know, half listening. uh, Swell. Have you seen my contact book? And she said, top drawer. He goes, no, it's not. And she said, well, sit down and think about what you were doing the last time you had it. You'll remember where it is. He digs into the the bookcase behind his desk, behind the coffee maker. Lee says, there's no time for memory exercises. We've got a rumor. One of our agents has been grabbed. And she says, who? And he shakes his head. It's probably Bob Abernathy. I'm trying to pin it down. And she says, a little miffed. How can you know someone's captured, but not know who it is? I guess that's all I kept. I I guess the rest of it was more to the thing. They're just irritated at each other. She's miffed at him. (laughs) They're just like snippy at each other. Just from the beginning, just from the get-go. So he's trying to figure out who's been taken. He's assuming it's Bob Abernathy, but he's got to figure it out. So he's really frustrated. And then he takes off and leaves her to figure, uh, finish uh, out her security check on William Town. But he then finds the contact book he was looking for. He clears his throat and he's like, why is my contact book in back of the coffee beans? She goes, don't know. Usually lands where you toss it. He goes, "Uh uh-huh. And when am I going to get my desk back so I can toss it there? Like, why are you being such a booger? Wait, where is her desk? She doesn't have one in this. She doesn't get it until fourth season. Yeah, so she doesn't have one. It would have been a lot easier if he'd just bring up a desk for her. Hello? Mm-hmm. Well, whatever. She needs her space to get her work done. Yeah, and put her cactus, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> one thing, when he leaves in the script, when he leaves the room, he says, you're doing a good job, probably better than I would do. We can all sleep a lot easier tonight knowing the world is safe from <laughs> renegade arithmetic teachers. <laughs> And he, but he gives her a wink and then smiles and leaves, which we didn't get a wink in this one. We sure didn't. No, I feel gypped out of a wink. Although we do get a wink from him later, but it's not to Amanda, it's to Francine. But anyways, I thought that was kind of funny. It's a little slightly different than what he says. But if she's, if she types 90 words a minute, she's really, really slow. (laughs) That 90 words a minute is really slow because she's typing somewhat fast but not like 90 words a minute fast yeah he could have the link would have been perfect after the market instead of just strolling out the door yeah but he's so grumpy yeah somebody pissed in his cheerios that's for sure he's like a cactus 
<laughs> prickly and dry. He's a prickly pear. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So now Lee's actually off to uh, check in with one of his family, one of his informants. And apparently she works at a gas station as a pump jockey is what he calls her. I love this character. Like, I want this character to come back now. <laughs> Rhonda. Yeah, but this is her only one. She is cute. She's super cute. I know. She She's sassy. Fan, she needs to be in fan fiction somewhere. There must be Rhonda. I, I think they have, I've, I think I've read one, at least one where uh, she's in it. As, you know, but not like, I think there's one that she's like uh, with Leatherneck. I'm almost positive. That's interesting, really. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they like get introduced to each other. I don't know, but she's adorable. And I love she that is. She speaks Russian and... Yes. So she, as you said, speaks Russian and she sometimes hears people coming in talking Russian and they assume, like most people would, that they're, no one else is going to know what they're saying. And so they can they speak more freely and she picks up on, on that and then uh, relays that information to, to Lee. I used to do that at the grocery store when I worked at the grocery store and people would speak Spanish in front of me. Really? And I'd be like, Haha, I know what you're saying. Or like sometimes I get pissed off because the little jockey guys would make fun of people and would make me angry. Because yeah. <laughs> I worked right across the street from a racetrack. So there was a lot of the, the I don't know, I guess they were, they were jockeys. They were very small, tiny, tiny guys, but they mm-hmm. would come in and they'd buy stuff. And they'd be speaking Spanish and they'd be talking smack about all of the cashiers or people that were in the store. And stuff. Oh and my gosh, like, how funny. Oh, yeah. But I never said anything because I didn't want to. No, know, you don't want to tip your hand. Working. Well, yeah. I did. I, I That happened to me once and it was while I was taking my German. So it was like really fresh in my mind. And I was working, I was only 15 or 16 and I was a bus girl and uh, these two couples, they were older couples and they were there for dinner at the restaurant I worked at and uh, they started speaking, they were speaking German to each other and then I started giving, I'm like, Wasser? And and then they looked at me like, uh oh, because they were talking about, you know, things around them. So, (laughs) and and I, but I just started speaking it to them. I wasn't trying to, it just like came out because, and then they looked at me and I was like, I looked at them like, oh, I've been caught. (laughs) And then I kind of just walked away. Like maybe they just will forget about that, you know? I wish I had kept up with my Spanish, but I didn't. Yeah. I tried to relearn. I still can speak it and read it, Mm -hmm. but following it in conversation is uh, just terrible. But I, we used, um, that app duolingo duolingo yes thank you yeah. duolingo yeah. lane's been doing it for like a year so he knows a lot of the the vocabulary yeah i was trying to do the same thing but it, you're right like hearing a conversation is so different than so much faster you and your time. yeah you can break it down yeah yeah. It is hard. Now, the um, house that uh, next door, so Amanda goes to Town's house to do an interview because she's trying to put together this dossier on him for the security check. And the house next door, we actually went, uh, David and I went and visited this house and it is huge and it is just beautiful. It's all that dark brown wood. It's all uh, brick and everything. It's all still there. Couldn't tell you where it is in in California in LA, but we did go to it, and we we walked up to the to the door and everything. <laughs> David yeah. is so ballsy, and he just makes you ballsy, yeah, so you I just start never. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's so bold! I know, 
We were crazy. Good for you guys, though. You probably got good Oh, picks. we did. We totally got good picks. Yeah, we did. No one came out, though. They didn't no. Play. No one was. You yeah. could tell no one was home. No one was home. Did you go to the other house? Pulled into both. Oh, okay. They're I'm actually good. not next door to each other. In reality, they're they're in the same neighborhood. They're further away from each other. Um, but they make it seem like they're next door to each other, but they're not, which is funny. All the things you learn, you know, but it was really cool. So Amanda goes to um, meet with town and he and his wife are having lunch. And it's very particular that, you know, there's, there's a reason why we're learning that they're having lunch, um, uh, and eating, uh, Chinese food because, uh, his wife has a reaction to the MSG that town forgot to tell them when he ordered not to put it in because his wife is allergic. And then we also find out that little Philip is also allergic, which wasn't in the script draft script at all. Um, so they've ad- they added that in there and to, as to the reason why, because in the script, it, they, the, the wife and husband sit there and tell they're like explaining it to Amanda so that the audience knows about it. But Amanda's the one who fills in the audience in the recorded scene that we see. So Amanda's there asking him questions, just making sure that, uh, you know, he's not a security risk. And he mentions that he thinks the government has too many uh, secrets and um, none of his work as a mathematician has come up. Nothing uh, has come up that is a security uh, issue thus far. She does look pretty there though in the pink and the her hair up and stuff. Yeah. I think she looks best in season three. She looks really cute in this episode. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. The whole, that's what I mean. But the whole season, this is her like her hair is longer, her makeup's very nice and light, natural looking, you know. Yeah. Good costuming or well, outfits or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. They have her down. Yeah. <laughs> hmm And we know that that damn haircut's never coming back again. <laughs> From here on out, we're smooth yes. sailing. So that's also a nice relief, too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Town seems very genuine when he's concerned about his wife, which is good to note. <laughs> and uh, he goes out to get her a hamburger since she can't obviously eat the Chinese food. And then he walks Amanda out. And, uh, and then as Amanda's leaving, she sees the realtor supposedly next door and she waves to him even. So the house that, uh, Gregory and Edgar are in, uh, if you look at that woodwork up there and the, the peak, it's so pretty in real life and in person. It's so unique looking. It was really, it was really cool. You would love it in person. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, even all the windows with like the mm-hmm. glass and all that. Like that's just, yeah. It 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 looks just like that still. It's really pretty. Uh, so now we get to see Gregory. Saw Gregory back in the second episode that we did, which was Tale of the Dancing Weasel, and now he's back. Supposedly he's been in prison for six months, and now he's back. So um, it's been a little while. He was in a Lubyanka prison for his troubles uh, that he, you know, because Edgar's like, she looks like, an, doesn't look like an agent to me. And he's like, yeah, she might not be an agent, but she, she screwed me over, you know, good. So he ended up being in prison, him, uh, her and her partner, uh, Scarecrow. So he's like, don't underestimate that woman. <laughs> so they're posing, Edgar and Gregory are posing as realtors uh, trying to sell this house, and which is a good cover. You know, you can get people coming in and out. No one will think about it, you know? Yeah. 
Now we're back at the agency and uh, Lee is just reviewing Amanda's dossier on her, her security check on town. And he's like, wow, you really like this guy. You gave him a 1223, you know, a, a one rating. And she's like, well, you know, I just asked the questions, put the information in the system in it. And it's, you know, this is what it gave me. So, you know, it's not because she likes him. It's because the information that she put in, that's what it gave her. She can't help that. Right. He's like, okay. So then he kind of dismisses her because he's got other things he's got to do. Now in the script though, it's kind of funny, which I'm not sure why they had this in there, but a little bit. Lee is checking Amanda's work as Amanda busies herself cleaning off the, the portion of Lee's desk she had occupied and packing up the rest of all her gear. Lee's reading, chuckling, which is so condescending, while Amanda tries to ignore the suggested criticism of her work. Lee laughs and flips to the final survey. After a few beats, Lee laughs a lot. She says, what's so funny? He goes, Amanda, you don't need to report on what they had for lunch. Amanda says, all right, take it out. But Mr. Melrose said to be thorough. (laughs) Lee does a quick computation, adding points in the survey form. 1,223, a new winner. You really like this guy, Town. She says, I filled out the form. The score is the score. Lee says, I noticed there's a note on the letter from the case officer. That would be you. He gets really snarky in this. The laughing, I mean, do you think it was just the writer being a man and being like, I don't know. Like, why is he so condescending? Super well, um... I feel like they're kind of past this at this point, but like you guys said, maybe it's just built up to a better, a better ending. Or I mean, even Amanda, she like really sticks up for what she believes and what she like stands by her assessment throughout the whole episode. But then I think this that reason exactly what you just said is a is a case for why we have this so much earlier. This is number eighteen. We have it as twelve. You know what I mean? It's. It's got to be so much earlier because they get so much closer. They're not going to have this blow up like this needs to be this kind of stuff needs to be worked out before they get to the good stuff. You know what I mean? So that's why I think it's a good idea. It's this early. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be some friction. Like even if they are getting closer, you think it's not always going to go perfect. For sure. get irritated too. Like, yeah, you're getting a little too close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then we like come closer. <laughs> so Lee signs off on this after he teases her and stuff. And then he says, that's real good. That's real good. And she, he says, thank She says, thank you. He goes, look, if you want to talk about this later, uh, I bet I got to get just my work here. And she's like, okay. So then she goes to leave and he goes, by the way, we found Abernathy. Istanbul, 104 temperature, delirious Turkish flu. He goes, now we don't know who the Russians have. She's like, well, good luck. Well, Amanda. Yeah. Hypothetically speaking. Hmm. How would you rate me? I wouldn't. Not yet. I love that. It's so cute. That's a good one. And then his look, he's like, did she? What? 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 It's super flirty and cute. I love it. Because we know she respects his skills as a spy for sure. So she's definitely taking it to the next. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I would officially like to nominate that as a the best one. One of the best one liners. Wonderful one liners. All right. We got it. It's in the books. Great. All right. Nice vote. I would think that's a good one, too. Now, in the script for this scene. This is, I'm going to warn everybody, we got much better 
filmed than what we have here. There, it's like you could see the progression of how it came from this to the the film version. But he goes, speaking hypothetically, Amanda, would you give me an A one rating? And she says from the vault, of course, you're my supervisor. Lee considers whether he should question her sincerity, but decides against it and exits. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> so lame. Yeah, that's good by the spy stuff. We already know he's a good spy. So. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's not any good. We want the good stuff, man. <laughs> Definitely. Way better. Way better filmed version for sure. Yeah. Francine is in Beirut which back in the 80s was not a place you ever wanted to be. As you can see from the pictures, it looks awful. I don't know how it looks now, but back then it was always like a war zone. And she is tied to a chair. Her hair looks, if possible, looks worse than it did when she took off her headscarf. And she's still holding on to her cover saying she's a reporter for the for CBS is what she was saying Columbia Broadcasting System and they're not buying it. It's amazing the speed and accuracy of our new ID section at Rajinsky Square and he goes Ms. Desmond and she's like okay the, the jig is up. <laughs> she knows she's caught. And then we have Billy and a meeting between Billy and Gregory again, which they seem to, and we talked about this and I, I know I keep talking about it, but it's like really fresh in my mind because I just edited this one. But the first time that they get together, there's that camaraderie and we talked about the chess, like they're playing a chess, a game of chess and they just got right back into it. They're definitely playing another round of chess. Obviously, Billy won the first match and I think uh, Gregory's looking to uh, tie it up. And I like interactions that are very kind of believable and covertly professional I guess for spies yeah like you there's they're being so polite but you know they're you have to read between the lines what they're not saying Mm -hmm. it's really interesting very very interesting but Gregory's kind of playing around with him like toying with him like we have one of yours and he won't tell him who he's just saying you're gonna you're gonna want to make a trade and he's like we got to know what the you know what the game is I don't I don't know who's all involved you know so he's kind of feeling him out at this point I think it's kind of interesting when he's talking about the real estate and his cover and it's kind of clever to have the agency I'm assuming he would have the agency buy his house, right? Buy the house that's for sale, right? As a payment? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I mean, it's like kind of creative, actually. Yeah, it's all clean, you know? <laughs> then you can say, well, I just house. paid for the house, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty clever. I like it. Billy's like, how did you get out? You know, I didn't expect you to to ever see you again at like ever see you and he said well i i had some some videotapes stashed away and uh he's like yeah i had them stashed away for a rainy day which uh, is funny because it's a rainy day uh, that they're (laughs) in right now he goes why are you back in dc and he goes i know you it's comfortable billy's like what's on your mind he goes actually i'd like to discuss a piece of property with you real estate it's my new cover what do you think he goes what property he goes it was mine billy or should i shall i say yours for mine and billy's just so calm he's like you have something to trade <laughs> he goes all the way from afghanistan you know he's if he was in his office he'd probably be popping uh antacids mm-hmm. he he says the russian czars used to tease their guests with 20 appetizers <laughs> He goes, my hunch is they have somebody. And Lee's still trying to figure it out, which doesn't make any sense. But they're in Billy's office and there's a phone call and it's actually for Lee and it's Rhonda. 
And she's saying that she just, she got a name and a meet. And uh, so he takes down the information and has Billy set up a uh, surveillance team there uh, so that they can see what's going on. Oh, Billy's got suspenders on. They look so cute. Makes him look really broad-shouldered. Yeah. He's like a little fire plug. <laughs> no, he is. It's not a, I didn't mean it in a bad way. So now they're on the street. They're actually on the WB lot. And uh, they are, there's a bunch of people taking camera, you know, taking photographs with these big ass cameras. Like how did the, how did, how does that not look totally suspicious? And then you got a guy in the van with a big camera sticking out the window. (laughs) It's kind of funny. And then we see town or is it? And uh, he's going in to pick up Chinese food. He must really like that Chinese food. And then we see Edgar and uh, Lee calls out, you know, that they need to make sure they're, they've got eyes on Edgar and, uh, Lee's saying, you know, they, it's, it's a stash. He's stashing the money. It's a payoff. And, uh, he's going to go check out the, the newspaper rack. Uh, and then when he does, he lifts up like four or five of the newspapers and then there's a big wad of cash sitting there. Uh, it's funny to see the old bills, you know, the hundred dollar bills and stuff. They look, everything looks so different now. I didn't even pay attention to that. Oh, no. I think when I was looking at it, I'm like, oh, those are dollar bills. Like when I was watching it, oh. that's the only one that looks like a normal bill. Obviously, it would make sense to have like dollar bills and the strip club. That's what it was in my mind because I didn't even pay attention to that. <laughs> yeah, he's getting, he's getting a payoff of, I'm going to leave you $5. It's not the tooth fairy. <laughs> No, but I, not at that age, I didn't, that's for sure. But you can see their $100 bills. Now he leaves, uh, Lee leaves it in there and then they, they catch, they catch on film the switch. So the two men, Town and Edgar bump into each other, drop their similarly looking paper brown, brown paper bags, and then pick up the others. And then Town goes off to the newspaper vending machine and grabs his, his payoff. And then Lee sticks with Edgar and Edgar seems to know he's being tailed because then he goes around the corner and then shoves the garbage off into in front of Lee. I don't like um, Bruce's hair that long, personally. I think it's too long. Yeah, it's the start of that. Kind yeah. Of, like. Not a big fan. Like that bad look. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was a style back then, but I didn't think it looked good on you. Yeah, I'm not a fan myself, but. I don't mind it. I like it. Well, I knew you I wouldn't. That, like, that like spiked on top with the thing in the back. Like, I don't like that. Isn't that season four? That's what I yeah. don't like. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit longer. And- yeah, I know. I knew you'd like it because it's longer. I knew you'd like that. I think I'm sensitive to it because of like just the back. Yeah. Like, the back starts growing. Yeah, up. I don't like the long. Yeah, the top. Yeah. I don't like the spike. I like Lexi yeah, said. I, I don't mean, like that spike. I mean, like, so it's feathered, but if you get one on the top, just not in the back. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No party in the back. It's like a mullet. <laughs> as long as it's, I don't know, I like a guy with long hair. So. That, I know you do. <laughs> on certain people, I like it. I just don't like it on Lee. Maybe, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Years, I, don't I don't like facial hair and I don't like long hair on guys. I don't like facial hair on women either, just for the record. <laughs> Yeah. I, I, they were faces, though. <laughs> Not a family I don't, 
Lee goes around the corner and Edgar pushes the garbage into him and then he kind of gets thrown off a little bit and Edgar runs up the stairs and then Lee fights him to get a hold of that paper bag. And then Edgar finally lets it go and takes off. And then the other guys that were working with Lee come and he's like, go after him. So then Lee opens up the bag and finds uh, what appears to be uh, some type of code. And uh, he's going to have to bring that back to have them figure out what it is. I wonder if that code ended up being just some bogus thing that... Uh, yeah, it's obviously something. They, it's all a setup. I mean, spoiler yeah. alert. But yeah, it's a setup. So I wondered that too. Like, what is it? Yeah. They never really said. We're in Billy's office now. And tensions are, are already flaring right now. So Amanda doesn't believe that Tyrone's a bad guy. She still sees the best in him. Lee, of course, thinks she only sees good in people and is naive to the fact that people can be bad. Spoiler alert. Amanda's right and Lee's wrong. <laughs> Just saying. In this particular case. But uh, right. they have the surveillance from the drop that Lee was able to get in on. And they're watching it and they're, Billy and, and Billy and Lee are, are commenting on how sloppy it is. And Lee's like, well, you know, he's obviously not a professional. Yeah, Lee's just sitting there with his arm kind of like, kind of really cocky. Don't you think? Like he just is giving off this air of cockiness. Like, yeah, he already knows the whole situation. Yeah. And, and there's no way, there's no chance that it could be anything than what he expects. It's like he's got to mansplain it to her, you know? That's yeah. what they do. You know what I mean? It's just like, ugh. Like, how many of us have been in that situation where your male counterpart's sitting there trying to explain it to you and you're like, okay, dude. Ugh. Billy's asked, he, he got a newspaper, is, does that check, is that in character? And she's like, well, when I interviewed them, Billy's going over what they know. Like, he's always said, you know, don't follow rumors. What do you know? Like, what are the facts? So he's going through the facts. He ate Chinese food when Amanda was over there. Uh, he has newspapers delivered to his house. So obviously he doesn't need to pick up a newspaper, things like that. So they're putting this all together. And Lee, he asked Lee, he's like, when you interviewed the, the restaurant owner, he told you that uh, Dr. Town and his wife came there all the time. He's like, yeah, that's correct. And he goes, okay, so the next one, they're watching the, the drop and they're commenting about how sloppy it is, that he's obviously not a professional. And yeah, so we get to see the exchange again. Now in the script, this is actually a little, Amanda gets a little saucy and it's very interesting. She goes on to explain like what she knows about him, that he's a fellow at Georgetown. He has a PhD in mathematics and all this. And then she goes, there's a beat. And then she says, although you probably don't want my opinion. And Billy says, why would you say that? And she says, I was the agent of record and looks at Lee. No one thought fit to, to call me about the tip on Professor Town. And Lee says, agent in charge is a bit strong, Amanda. And Amanda says, agent's handbook, volume four, ch chapter seven. <laughs> she starts spewing yeah. off things. And then uh, he goes, true, except you're not an agent, Amanda. And she says, except this is my assignment. And he says, under my supervision. And Billy says, who cares? The real question is, why did you give him a, a clean bill of health? It looks like he's passing secrets to the enemy. And Amanda says, well, sir, I fed the, the facts into the computer. It rated Dr. Town an A1. But she gets kind of snarky, like, you didn't even film me. You like, you cut me out of this. So you obviously don't care what my opinion is. So like, she's like, really pissy. She obviously they don't have her that that uh, irritated at this level. She's at a, a, a simmer right now, I think. Yeah. 
not a full boil yet, but stay tuned. She will. And then um, Billy says, you did the interview. And Lee says, sometimes you have to read between the lines, Amanda. Again, mansplaining. And that last statement finally lights her fire. (laughs) She's mad. And she says, every time I've done that in the past, you've jumped down my throat. Besides, your only advice was hurry up. I know I'm telling you she is like really pissed off oh I know who I just realized who Taggart is Taggart is the guy that comes in about the paper that's who that was that's who Taggart is okay like I said she gets really saucy in the script version (laughs) they've they've tamed her down a little bit she gets a little pissy later but uh she definitely is uh saucy in this Mm -hmm. her hair looks so good in this scene right here doesn't she look good yeah, it feels really good. Her makeup, spot on. Wait, the other guy, that guy, is that Taggart? Yeah, I think so, because on the script it said Taggart comes in with yeah. the paper and all that stuff. That's Taggart. Yeah. Okay, got it. In the uh, film version, he goes, uh, Agent of Record is really stretching it, Amanda. She's like, it was my assignment. He goes, under my supervision. So we do hear some of it, but it's less snarky. But Amanda's saying she stands by that assessment, so... And then it's funny on the uh, closed captioning, it said he called him Tiger instead of Taggart, oh my gosh. <laughs> but it's Taggart. So this um, guy in the, in the Argyle sweater vest is Taggart, which they actually use that name again uh, in uh, season four, Taggart, little, little piece of trivia. <laughs> so he said, well, first off, there's a message in the takeout and he said it must be some kind of theoretical mathematics formula, which obviously ties into town's background. Uh, And then they have an electronic microscope on a tiny little fiber we found on the paper. Uh, And they gave way too much information on that. And Billy seems to not give a crap about it. And then, uh, then for the last, they have, they blew up the watermark from the paper that they found in there. And it was Harcroft and uh, it's expensive and uh, it's a narrow list of people that actually use it uh, locally. So he's working on getting that list to him. And then he pulls out this really long list, uh, computer printout, and it is the contents of the Mugu Guy pan that they found uh, in the takeout, which will play a part later. Okay, here's, here's a bit of stupid um, my past. So I never ate Chinese food until I was like in college. Really? Yes. Wow. My my dad is doesn't eat that type of stuff, and my mom is so German. Everything she cooks is yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so we never had Chinese food. I never ate Chinese food until college. And when we went, I went with friends. The only thing I recognized on the menu was Mugu Guy Pan because of this episode. <laughs> so FYI, my first experience with Chinese food was Mugu Guy Pan because of SMK. Did you like it? I did. Other than the mushrooms, I had to pick up. Oh the yeah, ew. But. Everything else I love. Don't like mushrooms either. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I wasn't, yeah. I didn't know it had mushrooms in it. I just recognized Mugu Gai Pan. So That's like, so what? funny. I've never had Mugu Gai Pan. It's actually really good. Yeah. I love um, Thai food and I love Chinese food, but we don't have great Chinese food around uh, in this part of Michigan. Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Not shockingly, but. Yeah. Anyway, that was my. That's too my funny, favorite. though. <laughs> 
so many things we've learned. I, I you know, I did that video about uh, all the things I learned. Uh, I learned in, uh, you know, that remember that uh, Fulton uh, poem about yeah. everything you learned, yeah. you learned in kindergarten. Yeah. And I changed it to, uh, I learned in Scarecrow Mrs. King. It's so true. Like everything yes. you like, it's stuck <laughs> with you, you know? There's so many examples of that, that being one of them. It's really funny. Yeah. So Amanda seems very, um, what's the right word uh like disappointed or I don't know like she just seems like everybody's like going against what she believes and she's frustrated because nobody's sees it the way she sees it you know what I mean yeah it's hard to be the one that even though you feel so strongly about something and you feel you have everything backing you up whatever I'm telling you no or that you're not right or it doesn't add up it's hard for you lose you lose faith in yourself too you're like well yeah. maybe you know all these people think i'm wrong maybe i am wrong with more experience and, and yeah very, good know, point uh viewpoints that they're bringing into it and um but yeah i would definitely be frustrated in that situation too it's easy to be especially your partner is doesn't have your back you know, yeah. like this is one of the rare times he doesn't. Yeah. And he's, he's the loudest voice. Yes. Not correct. And like for your partner to do that, like that, that's got to hurt a little and, bit. And, and not that he's saying, you know, I think you're wrong. He's saying you're wrong. You know, he's like so demeaning about it. And like the mansplaining stuff, it's just awful. It yeah. just makes me feel bad. And I can only imagine being the person that's taking it. You know what I mean? That would be awful. Right. Yeah. Just want to punch him. Right. And then, like, kiss him. But punch him, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> it's all that sexual tension. Yeah, that's sexual. what I said in the beginning. Like, I think they're, he's getting frustrated. And that's why there are so, you know, there's so much, like, passion and fire. You know, it's because he's pent up. Could be. Yeah. So, Amanda kind of just down the downy dumps. Just heads out, you know, for the night. And then we're back to lovely uh, surroundings of Beirut. Uh, and, uh poor Francine's you can't be I was thinking when I was watching this earlier you cannot be comfortable you have your hands behind your back and your feet are tied you cannot like lay down and get comfortable at all check out that camera guys did you see that (laughs) brings back memories did you ever use one of those Lexi a Polaroid with the little flash bulbs at the top and stuff not the flash bulb but like the print yeah but the newer ones so yeah of course yeah I okay mean, this was back before i was born right so yes of course the newer ones wow <laughs> wow I, mean, the question, I had to answer it like wow. of course i that that type of camera but i did have a polaroid um and i did think it was super fun like probably late late 90s late 90s or because now they're making a comeback now they have them all over the place but the film is like 80 dollars it's so oh, ridiculous wow. It's Why? so expensive. The ones they have now are stickers too. So like you can peel the back and they'll stick oh, this cool. up. But they're little. They're really little. But then they also have ones that are just printers. So like you can take a picture with your phone and send it to the little portable Polaroid printer and it prints out on the Polaroid. The paper, the special paper. Yeah, like the, yeah, exactly. They're really cool. I want one, but I can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> so the Russian guy comes in takes they take off her blindfold and then uh they take her picture with a polaroid camera and put a newspaper up there so they can show proof of life that you know as of this day she is still alive and he's speaking russian and she speaks russian Uh, martha's very good about speaking multiple languages i didn't realize one of them was russian but i guess if you can 
learn you know a language fluently like that you could probably pick up uh, other languages too it's just she has a good accent i think didn't you say that she does speak another language oh yeah she speaks french and she speaks italian wow yeah she is so smart it's crazy how smart she is really smart but anyway so this guy is letting her know he's like don't spoil our plans and we won't spoil yours <laughs> so like do as you're as you're told and everything will work out fine yeah and then gets thrown back on on her side with her hands tied behind her back i mean if you had an itch oh my god that'd be awful <laughs> Now, now we're back at the house uh, that they are hidden in. The Russians are hidden in. And Popovich, Wally Tuttle slash um, Popovich slash uh, pretending to be William Town uh, is wiping his uh, shoe off. He's got paint all over it. White paint. That's a, a key thing that we need to remember later. And uh, he's complaining about the Americans and that w- it would never happen in Moscow, even though the paint's probably somebody fr- from his team that left it out because it's in the house. So, hello. <laughs> Slide rule is the is the name of the mission, and they're saying that it's ahead of schedule. And then Gregory takes the time to scold Popovich, saying that he shouldn't have gotten involved with the woman. So we don't know who the woman is at this point, but uh, her name's Cindy. And it was strictly to be professional. I'm sure her profession, not his. Uh-huh. But so obviously there's con- we're thinking, okay, what's going on? We have we thought this guy was William Town, but no, he's the bad guy Popovich, and he seems to be quite the opposite of the mild mannered mathematician Town that we've met. Obviously, we know he's two different people, but we don't know that. Now we're at Amanda's house. Do you love the sweatshirt, Lex? It's- Something. Does it say? It, I mean, I think that it has words. It's supposed to you don't see what it says? It says no. Foxy Grandma. <laughs> it's great. And it's all in rainbow colors, so I figured you'd like it. <laughs> it says Foxy Grandma with like the shimmery uh, no, rainbow I colors. <laughs> I think I, I think I just thought it was just like a scribble, but I, I heard you guys always mention yeah. Mama and Foxy Grandma. And I, <laughs> that's great they're cute that's cute but amanda's totally making a show of it she's like no no if you need me to come into work i am there and it's like Mm -hmm. okay her mom's her mother's not buying it at all i noticed that uh, jamie has a cast on in the scene and i was trying to remember back and i thought I thought that um, he said that he had broken his arm. Um, and so this, you know, You're right. filming, I assume that this is him. You know, they don't say much about it. No, they don't, they don't bring cast. it up at all. <laughs> walking around with a cast on his arm. Wasn't, that was, wasn't that story in his book? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. He, he broke it. I was thinking he talked to us about it. But yeah, you're right. He probably, it was probably in the story, in the book. I forgot how he did it. But I remember, was it, was it riding his bike around there? Because I remember him saying that he felt like he was sort of, then he was bumbling along with his cast around the set. I have, I'm going to have to go back and read Yeah, that reread it. Well, in the script, they have a little scene in here. It's a little bit more banter between uh, Amanda and the boys. She says, as soon as you guys finish your cereal, I want you to beat your old record for doing chores. And Philip says to Jamie, I'll give you a dollar fifty to to do mine. And Jamie says, you don't have a dollar fifty. And Philip says, can I have $2, mom? <laughs> and then she says, unless you get busy, 
all you're going to get this morning is grounded. <laughs> and then she starts going into their whole thing with her mom, uh, her mother saying uh, that, she, you know, she's sorry, she's got to leave her with the dishes, but she needs to get to work. You know, when work calls, you just got to go. <laughs> and Dottie's like, I don't even believe anymore. I, I don't I don't even believe anymore. <laughs> so this is supposed to be a Saturday. It's Sunday. No, because Billy's Sunday. Sunday. Because Billy said in, he goes, I know tomorrow's Sunday, but. Because I was noticing that Jamie's dressed up in his, I mean, I don't know if they go to church or not, but he's got like a button down, long sleeve shirt on. Yeah. (laughs) With jeans. He's got jeans on though. It would be something my kids would be wearing on a Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) She's got a blue hair clip, two blue hair clips in her hair too, which is kind of funny. Maybe that's her Sunday hair. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I love it. She goes, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. She goes, it's getting to the point where I just, I don't believe it. And she's like, mother, like, I don't have time to argue with you, but I'm just going to leave it that way with my stern mother. And then uh, Lee and Amanda meet up at this piano bar. And I love the little banter between them and Django. Django Hart. That's his name, Django Hart. And supposedly they're, I'm pretty sure, I know that's Lee's picture, but I don't think that's Amanda's picture. On the ID, that does not look like her at all. I didn't even notice. It looks like she's got the outfit on from Utopia Now with the white turtleneck and the red plaid, but it doesn't look like her features. Her face looks uh, a little different. It looks like a different shape. Yeah, it looks like a different shape. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so they're pretending to be IRS agents and... The banter between them is really funny. They just, they, they play off of each other really well. It's really cute. And so he's like, oh, and I, as soon as he hears that it's IRS, he kind of grabs his tip jar and like pulls it towards him on the piano. It's really cute. And they're like, we've got some questions. And he's like, oh, my lawyer's always told me never to answer questions without him being present and my accountant. <laughs> She's like, well, I suppose we'll have to subpoena his bank records. He's like, we're forced to. He goes, oh, maybe I could answer just one two, one or two little questions. <laughs> now she's hoping that he's going to be able to clear town. But in fact, he makes it even look worse. And she's like, okay, thank you so much. And like puts it away. So she doesn't even want to find out the truth. It's like she's afraid of it. Yeah, who would want to be wrong? You know, after so defending your, your stance. <laughs> right, right. So then he starts kind of clamming up and, and they're like, oh, what is this? Is this undeclared um, income? And he's like, okay, 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 I'll, I'll tell you. He thinks it could be, and she's like, William Town. And he goes, oh, he goes, that looks like Wally Tuttle. And she's like, oh, I see. And then Mick puts it away. And then Lee's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, pulls back out. And he goes, now, is this the same man or not? He's like, I've only seen the guy maybe four or five times, but he only sees him on weekdays. And it's on the weekend, so he's not there. So then Amanda gets a little snappy and gets out of there. And Lee's got a big old shit-eating grin, as I always say. A shit-eating grin on his face because he thinks he's right. And now they're going to go upstairs to the condo and what Lee refers to as peel the wallpaper. So this time they have gloves on and everything. I mean, they're, they're, they're testing. They're, they're, it's illegal search and seizure, first off. <laughs> They're not going to be able to use any of it. They're, they're getting fingerprints and things like that. In the script, they talk about, she's like, you've already gotten a, a couple of glasses with his fingerprints on it. And he goes, yeah, but those were in the cupboard. They could have been touched by the maid. He goes, this one's sitting out. We need this one. You know, it was like really random, weird stuff. But they they found pictures in the room of him partying with women. 
And there seems to be one particular person that he kept going back to. There was that kept uh, reoccurring in the photos. So we'll see that in a little bit. But Amanda seems to get a little better at uh, going in and ransacking people, <laughs> going through people's uh, dirty underwear and stuff like that, you know? Maybe not right. dirty underwear, but <laughs> underwear nonetheless. <laughs> she just seems to be cleaning up <laughs> while Lee's like stuffing all the things they found into their uh, briefcase. So they, they've talked to the valet and the elevator guy and they've all confirmed that that's Wally Tuttle. And she says, it's town. He goes, town, Tuttle, whatever. And he gets his teeth all gritting. Let's just take him down the piano bar and have the guy ID him there. She goes, that's a good idea. And he goes, oh, you agree with me? She goes, I agree with that. <laughs> Like she's only giving, she's only going to give a little inch because I c- just cannot see eye to eye on anything in this, this uh, particular she one. She trusts her instincts, man. She is sticking to her gun. Yeah. And and he's so, he's I just got to always be right. And he's a dude. <laughs> he's oh, a dude. sorry. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> <laughs> we were all thinking it. Uh, so now they did, they, now they've brought Tuttle down there and the piano guy's like talking to him and he says, I, you act like you know me. I don't know you. And he's like, oh, they must really have you by the, by the, uh, have you by your W2s, pal. <laughs> and he's like, I've never seen this place. I've never been here. And he's like, I hear no one's ever been here and kind of winks at him. But the guy is really hasn't been there. So he's either a really good liar or he hasn't really been there. And then weird, Lee pulls her off to the side and keeps Wally off on, uh, Wally Tuttle, Popovich, whatever his name is, and says, have you seen enough now? And she's like, yes, I have seen enough to know that he's being set up. And so he's like, he, he, he's just getting frustrated that she doesn't believe it. She goes, did you see him? He he pushed on the door instead of pull. You know, he didn't, he's never been here before. And he goes, Django identify them. She goes, I don't care. And then all these joggers come by. Now the second guy in the joggers, he's part of the crew, I think, because he is also... He was also in the first episode. He was one of the Russian guys chasing him in the train station. He's always like a side, like behind the scenes guy. He never has anything where he talks. Alan Graff did Stuntman. Maybe then the guy in the jogger suit, uh, the gray one, not the young guy, but the guy behind him with the mustache that maybe that's him. I didn't know his name. Pretty much in all of them. He was uncredited in the episode. The one that he was just like such a minor character. Mm -hmm. Remember when you were talking about him in reach for the sky that you were looking at him and you're like, Oh, he's the guy from the train station. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's in, he's in a bunch of, yeah. Okay, yeah. he's the he's the stuntman guy. He doesn't look like a stuntman, you know. In the script, there's one scene that we didn't see was them trying to get into Town's room, into that uh, condo. Mm-hmm. You you hear uh, Lee say, "Damn!" and and then to Amanda he says, "Got another credit card?" And she goes, "That was my Sears card. Can't you just pick it?" And he's like, "It's." It's like a double. You have to like get in there. So he's using all her credit cards to like get in there. And then he keeps losing them aside or, or like breaking them. <laughs> She's like, that was my Sears card. And there's another scene when they're trying to get in there to in, into the room. They can't, they still can't get in. And so the door of a nearby condo opens and a woman steps out. Lee covers his work in the door lock by dropping the card. And the woman says, sorry, Mr. Tuttle is out of town. And Lee moves in with his smile. I know, ma'am, offering hand. Excuse me, I'm Lee Tuttle, Wally's brother. 
And this is my sister, Amanda. This is awfully embarrassing, but, and then Amanda speaks up. What Lee is saying is Wally sent us a key special delivery. And the only way we could have gotten it was to wait home today and we would have missed our plane. This is so weird. Anyways, that whole scene just gets cut for obvious reasons. It was kind of stupid. Anyways, when they're in his room in the script, they're talking, uh, Lee's saying, no professor is going to be able to afford this condo and all these clothes. And Amanda goes, these aren't even his clothes. They're not his color. They're not his style at all. He goes, you've interviewed guy. you've met this guy once in, in an interview and you know all these things about him. Like, it's like, yeah, it's Amanda. Of course she knows everything. All the details. Exactly. I think that that's got to be the one and the same guy. So that's your, uh, the guy you mentioned then that's uncredited multiple times. Yep. <laughs> and this, he was, he was credited as Towns Abductor. Oh, okay. These joggers come by. A couple of them hold Lee, start punching Lee. And then two of them hold Amanda down. And then somebody then grabs Wally and takes off with them. Well, it's not Wally. It's Town at this point. Lee takes off after them. Lee gets three three thumps in the stomach. <laughs> He's going to have a tummy ache. Now, in the script, they both actually run off after him. But uh, in the actual episode... Uh, he just runs after them. And then a car comes by, flying by and does a, a drive-by shooting and tries to kill him. I think it was just to scare him, but it got awfully close. In the episode, he actually sends her off to go call for a backup. But then as he's coming around the corner, he sees Town. And Town somehow has gotten away from like four or five people. I'm not sure exactly how that supposedly happened. But now... Lee's like, you should have stuck with your Russian buddies because you're stuck with us now. And then he frisks them and and they bring him into the agency. Now we've got the fire and ice here going. Uh, Lee and Amanda are totally pissed off at each other. They are at that simmer has now gone to a full out boil. So we're back at the agency and the FBI has lost town in their system, which means he is in our interrogation room and we can keep him here for 36 hours. And and uh, Lee says, well, we'll owe him for that. Like, we owe him one. And Amanda goes, well, we already owe him that. And then they start arguing again. And Billy's like, stop, sit. And they both look at each other, like, scowling. And then they both sit down slowly. Ooh, they are pissed. And he's like, what is with you two? And then they both jump up. Mrs. King's personal feelings are clouding her professional and judgment. And Mr. Stetson's need to always be right is about to cause this agency to make a serious mistake. I made a serious mistake by listening to Mrs. King. We came within an inch of losing the guy. That was obviously a setup. Oh, here she goes with her fantasy frame-up theory again. Then back it up. Oh, please. How could he possibly have known those joggers were going to come down the street? He didn't know it was going to happen so soon. We caught him two blocks away. All right. Oh, sir. Yes, sir. I agree with both of you, and I disagree with both of you. I'm going to wait on the lab results of your saddles. Well, sir, that could take hours. Oh, I agree with you there. This kind of reminds me of uh, There Goes a Neighborhood when they're in in their kitchen fighting for their first fight. They're arguing, and then she comes up with the thing like she's coming up with the you know in in that episode she came up with theory which proved to be right and then here she's like he didn't know those joggers were coming explaining like all the little pieces and she goes and we caught him two blocks away so lee's just arguing you know just to be right (laughs) but she's putting some pretty good points out there though like when she said before when he came to that hotel he pushed you know he he didn't know how to open the door and if you'd been there, if you lived there, if you had a condo there, you would certainly know that. And that would be a small detail that you would not think of. Like, oh, this will make it look like I don't know that I've never been here. You're not going to think that. 
Yeah, she's filling in the plot holes as she's like talking it through, uh, just plugging up any little areas he's trying to poke through. Mm-hmm. This is like the first time he's ever let his temper go and not still been a gentleman. Like he throws open the door and he goes out first. He never does that. He always opens the door for her and she goes out. He's throws it open, doesn't even hold it open for her. And then she just happens to be able to get through without holding the door open herself. Yeah. And he throws some serious looks at her too. Oh man. And her too. She's just like, oh, come on. Right. (laughs) Yeah. He, he definitely gives her (laughs) when they're like, they turn and they're like this close to each other. That's so funny. Even the way he like turns away from her, he like sticks his nose up in the air like, (laughs) That's the situation. I am out. Like, if he were a cat, he would have hissed, you know? Yes. (laughs) And then he, I'm serious, he, like, throws open that door and then doesn't even hold it for it. It's like, he's really mad. (laughs) I wonder if Billy secretly finds this funny that they're so passionate about this, you know? He does. He has, like, a little smile on his face. You can see it kind of, like, going from the side. So now they're kind of, they've kind of chilled out a little bit they're not so at each other's throats in this uh next scene where they're at the records building she's like an awful lot of people born in 1948 which it's kind of funny because that's when she was born and he goes well that's why they called it the baby boom like oh thanks mansplainer i wish they would have credited this building even though they just flash a scene of it because i think it's the first police station for hunter Oh, really? The front of it, yeah, I think. I mean, obviously they moved pretty quick after the first second season, but I'm fairly certain that that is... Oh, wow. Good eye. police station. Well, so they're looking in the records. They've obviously looked through quite a few things. And then Amanda finds his birth record and finds he was born in June of 1948. And then she's, you know, feeling pretty triumphant. Like, yeah, we got him, you know. And then Lee seems to be a little disappointed. Like, he, he's like, oh, man, like, he didn't want to find this, even though it proves him to be right temporarily. He's like, I just found something I don't think we were looking for. She's like, what is it? Let me see. And then they show the list. Now, the list is quite funny. First off, it shows that he, William Allen Town, died August 19th, 1950. So just two years later after he was born. On the list, it's pretty funny. So on here, they have George R. Geiger. He's the executive producer of the show. They have Robert J. Gilmer. He's the supervisor producer of the show. Ronald G. Smith. He's the exec in charge of production. Kevin Kikorian, first assistant director. Michael Deersing. That's who I had lunch with at the 35th. He's the construction lead guy. And then they also had somebody named Susan Hadley and... The property master on the show is Beverly Hadley. So you would think maybe it might be somebody in her family that she wanted to get them on there instead of her her own name, maybe. I don't know. And then those are the only ones I could find that were credited on on IMDb and on the credits of the show at the end of the show. It's funny that they, when they had Trelogan on uh, season two episode, Odds on a Dead Pigeon, Trelogan is one of the people on the on the um, staff as well on, in the crew. So it's kind of funny. I like how they always pump those names into the into the show. It's kind of fun. Like giving them a little extra credit. Yeah. It's, it, you know, although I don't know if I'd want to be on that list, <laughs> the well, dead list. <laughs> Not, not such a great list to be on, but it's kind of cool, though, that they have those on there. Whoever wrote it had nice handwriting. I was just thinking, I can't believe they had to handwrite it, but obviously that's most of 
history date has been written down, but still it's just for it to be a record that it's like written down. It just we get it, Lexi. You're young. We get it. Okay. It's yeah. getting a little old. <laughs> Oh, I bet. Yeah, I saw you were doing that. They just had the new census go out right before the coronavirus, and they sort of, I think, canceled it. But now we can do it electronically. But yeah, yeah, it's stupid. And there's like no information. It's like who lives in your house? <laughs> yeah. What is their what? What is their age? That's it. Like that's that's it. Is there any children under eighteen? I'm like. This is a stupid census. I get so much information off census from like 1880, yeah. and I'm gonna get the people in the future are gonna get nothing. They get oh, nothing that stinks. Census. It's because all the privacy policies now, like people don't want to give all that information. Yeah, they, they gave a lot more. Oh yeah, where was your mother born? Where was your father born? Who can read? Who cannot read? <laughs> no, really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's all kinds of cool information on the census. Uh, how long have you been married? Are you are you white, black, mulatto? Um, oh my gosh, there's so much information. Do you own slaves? Anything <gasps> prior to 1870 is do you own slaves? Um, shit. There's some real. I mean, you can you can get a lot of information off of a census. Wow. Well, Lee's ex- explaining that it's the oldest trick in the book. They assume a name of a dead infant. And then no one's the wiser. Now, in the script, they actually talk about, Amanda said, let's go to this particular elementary school. And he goes, why? And she goes, just humor me. So then they go back and they talk to his teacher. And she's like, yeah, I remember Williamtown. You know, they ask her a few questions. And then she goes, yeah, he was really good in reading, but not so good in math. And then Lee gets all like, you know, puffs up his chest like, oh, see, not the same guy. Because obviously, Town is a mathematician. And she goes, or, no, I think it was the other way around. And then Amanda, like, puffs up her chest. And, like, <laughs> like she's right now. <laughs> it was really cute. But I can see why they wouldn't have wasted the time uh, of doing that whole thing. Mm-hmm. But in this scene, um, they seem to be on the same team now instead of being at each other's throats. He seems genuinely disappointed for her you know that she's not right he can be magnanimous now that he knows he's right mm-hmm. or, or so it seems <laughs> yeah or cunning no he will he'll do better she goes pretty sure if he went to madison someone here we've got his cumulative file if i recall correctly will did really well in english but was a little weak in math. Lee gives Amanda a gotcha look. And then Mrs. Taylor continuing says, or was it the other way around? And then Amanda gives Lee the gotcha look. (laughs) But then they go to get the file. The teacher does, and it's missing. So they definitely did their homework. Suppose, you know, the Russians did of pulling all the right information and put, you know, placing the stuff in. So, cause they knew what they would go looking for. That's so thorough. Yeah. back to the elementary school. Yeah. And of course, leave it to Amanda to go back and, and check that. But they didn't actually film that one. So I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. He says, well, I'm sorry, Amanda. Will Town is not who he says he is. And then we go back to uh, the house next 
supposedly next door to town. And now Billy's come to visit. And Billy's like, why am I here? He's like, cut the bull, Gregory. No games, no codes. Like, just, we want to make a trade. Tell me what, you know, what's going on. And he said, the price is high. He goes, it usually is a spy for a spy. He goes, ours for yours? We could explore that. But I must tell you that our property is of the very highest value. He goes, do I have to take that on faith? He goes, I can do better than that. Look behind you. And then he turns and grabs an envelope and then opens it up. And he sees it's his friend, Francine. Definitely not what he was expecting. No. And he's like, uh, I'd, we'll, make, we'll meet your demands. He goes, let me do some inventory. We'll meet your price. He's talking about wanting to do the Potsdam regulations. And then he said the casino tunnel um, on the way to Harper's Ferry, which is actually the one over by Griffith Park. It's over. That's the tunnel from that, which we actually um, see the first time in Savior when she's going through the tunnel with the, the bomb. How fun. I actually like I like that part because it's sort of true to history and the... Um... The famous exchanges. Yes, on how they did on the bridges. Yeah, they they usually do it on bridges, but you know, yeah, I like that part. I did too. It was it's a nice little nod. Uh, Lee and Amanda are trying to get some information from town, and Amanda's uh, he he's like explaining himself, and he goes, "You believe me, don't you?" And she's like, "Of course I believe you." She's like playing saint cop, and then now we just have to get the government to believe you. And Lee goes, "And that's me." And then so in the script, he goes, "And that's me." He goes, go ahead, start trying to convince me. <laughs> and then uh, Billy knocks on the door and says that they're uh, they're huddling in the bullpen. So then they leave him there. Lee's trying to explain to Billy, like, they invented William Town. He, he's not real. He's He's got a condo in Baltimore as Wally Tuttle. And uh, he's... He's like, the prince match. You can plant carpet fibers and fingerprints, she said. And the condo was hardly lived in. He goes, he just bought it. She goes, oh, look, the shirts haven't even been worn. You don't have proof. And then Amanda picks up the file that had the ingredients to the Mugu Gai Pan that they found. And she goes, and all of this, these pictures and and the Mugu Gai Pan with MSG. And then she's like, MSG? Now, I love SMK, but this one's super thin thread for me. <laughs> Like, what if he was just ordering the the Mugu Gai Pan for himself and it's okay for him to eat it? So what would he care? You know, he didn't have to have it out for his wife, right? It's it's very thin thread, I think. Clever, but very thin. Yeah, I agree. They had to have something, but yeah, he'd go the other way. Very it's super thin. I love how she, when before that last scene where they're in the interrogation room and uh, he goes, we're huddling in the in the bullpen. And then Lee goes, and you're the football. And Amanda goes, that was not necessary. <laughs> like You're just like, you're just trying to get him all riled up. That's not necessary to be so mean. Oh, in the script, she instead of um, when he says, and I'm the government, convince me. She goes, she goes enjoying yourself and he goes just doing my job Amanda and then that's when he comes in and says about the huddling in the bullpen and he goes and you're the football (laughs) I love that though you're enjoying yourself are you (laughs) like little shit (laughs) so Amanda realizes that it's got MSG in it and that he had just ordered that Mugu guy pan and, and accidentally had the MSG in it and he would hardly do it a second time is what her theory is and then Lee jumps right on it with her, which is interesting. He like follows her logic for the first time ever and says, yeah, he, he wouldn't do that. So, and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, they must have used a double. It's like, yeah, because there's so many people that look just like the other person. <laughs> it just, 
it seems like a far stretch. It's a doppelganger. That's like a that's a that's a Russian uh trope that because yes. they use that in every single spy show I've ever seen. It's well, they've done it here already with Amanda. I mean, that's true. You know, true. but it's just that's like true. it's. You don't sit there and go, like, if your husband's cheating, you don't go, it must have been a double. Like, you don't do that. That's not something that you jump on, you know? But what about spies? I know, but it's just so. It's, 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 the, it's the least likely scenario. Yeah. You don't. That's not the first thing you think of. They're spies. At all. That's the first thing they think of. In that trope, yeah. That's true. But Lee says really sweetly, it finally clicks for him. And he's like, oh, they're trying to make us think that town is a Russian spy because they want us to just hand them right over to him. Lee says, this has all been a setup that town is a Russian. Billy, can you believe this? What a prize. A top code theorist. And we hand him over thinking he's one of theirs. He goes, you're telling me he's not? He goes, they almost pulled it off too. They probably used a double to do it. He goes, accept. And then he gives her a look. They made one crucial mistake. Our agent of record caught it. Aw, so he's like apologizing, finally. And then she goes to touch him and stops. I think that's so super cute, too. But now Billy's really upset. And Amanda's like, sir, what's wrong? You know, and he says, we just found out who the Russians uh, are holding for a trade. And then hands, hands Amanda over the envelope. And uh, she opens it up and it's Francine. And then he's like, what's she doing in Kabul? She's supposed to be uh, on vacation in Cairo. In the script, she was supposed to be in Germany. And he goes, how do we get her back? Thanks to your good work. We don't have anybody to trade for her anymore. Oops. Sorry for doing a good job. (laughs) Sorry for not condemning an American citizen. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. In labor and then... Totally. Yeah. Now Francine's back in the in DC, which is good. And so now she's like, "Oh, uh, Gregory, of course it's you." Which I didn't think. Did she have any? She didn't even meet Gregory in Tale of the Dancing Weasel. So I guess he's been around for a while, supposedly. He's infamous. Yeah. Oh, in the script, when uh, Amanda figures out the MSG thing, Lee literally says. I'll be damned. I could kiss you, Amanda. Wow. Well, no one's stopping you, my friend. Just go right in. Why did they cut that? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But I was like, oh. (laughs) I do like her in this gray sweater with the red blouse and the black skirt. I think that really looks nice on her. And of course, uh, Lee's in gray again. (laughs) I like the gray. It's better than the brown. Yeah, it's definitely better than that brown that he wore for sure. So... Now they totally different scene in the script when they're trying to figure out the girl's situation, like where Tuttle would be. Instead of going back to the piano guy and asking about the girl, they go to this. Like I'm still trying to figure it out. Okay, they're at the Valentine Ranch, the same place we saw in the Polaroid of Tuttle and Rita with heart shaped everything. The Corvette is parked outside. The desk clerk is also heart heart shaped. We instantly suspect him of and the clerk says, "Now here comes a king of hearts couple if I ever saw one. You folks interested in two week or two month plan?" And Lee says, "Just two night." And the clerk raises an eyebrow and Amanda says, "Come on, Lee, let's stay a full two weeks." He goes, "Okay, make it the two week plan." The clerk whirls the sign in 
form around to Lee. Certainly, mister. So like, it's like a place for people to go have love in the afternoon, I guess, to not be so crass. And uh, as Lee signs, Mr. and Mrs. Stimson, and Amanda drops her suitcase and, oh, she has a suitcase even. Oh my gosh, this is awful. They use, they, they're trying to find Tuttle in this like love ranch type thing. Instead, we get, uh, we find out he's at the um, hot tub headquarters. Uh, also a place where you can probably pick up some diseases, I'm sure, from the hot tub. <laughs> Ugh, Django Hart, piano player, does not look happy to see them. He grabs this tip jar and like moves it over so they won't get it. And they identify uh, Cindy, who in his nice way of saying it, she's a hooker. And that's one thing Lee, Lee actually in when in earlier in the script, he said, did you see how those hookers came on to town? And, and she's like, what? Uh, the piano player tells them that they can be found at the hot tub headquarters. They actually go find them and they, they have a little plan. They go there and knock on the door and say, Oh, I left my glasses here. We were here before, uh, before you. And we uh, want to look around and then they come in. We've still got time. And he goes, you're out of time. Your time just ran out, Tuttle. He goes, no, you're confusing me with someone else. And then Amanda says, well, that's the whole idea, isn't it? She goes, what's going on, Wally? Are you married? (laughs) He goes, no, I'm afraid it's a lot more complicated. So Amanda's driving and Lee's got a gun on Popovich. We've learned his name is Popovich. And he is not excited about getting turned back over to the Russians. He doesn't want to be there. He wants to go into the witness protection program and he wants to, you know, to kind of come up with a deal so he can stick around. And and Lee's trying to get Amanda to to hurry up. So there's still that, they're still prickly to each other because he says, could you hurry it up a bit? And uh, the swap goes down in one hour. Will you floor this thing, Amanda? And she says, according to the section of the agency manual on offensive driving, short bursts of speed will do very little to increase one's top end average. He goes, what? And then lets it go. And then Popovich or Tuttle is trying to come up with a deal. He's like, what can I do? And she goes, you can try and find us something good to listen to on the radio. She's got some zingers, this one. Yeah, um, she does. <laughs> in the script, he goes, in the script, Lee says, can't you get a little more out of this thing? She goes, I could, but I'm not going to. And through his teeth, gritted teeth, he says, this is no time for self-righteousness, Amanda. If you won't drive any faster, I will. <laughs> Man, they must have gotten a lot of tension out of after doing this episode, huh? And then that's when she says, according to the um, to the manual, blah, 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 you'll you won't get your um, average up. And then she says to Lee, why don't you find something a good station on the radio? (laughs) So now we're back at the agency and Amanda and Lee are apologizing to the real Will Town and he's getting a little self-righteous there and he's saying he's going to go talk to his friend at the paper and and Lee says I really wish you wouldn't do that and he goes you've embarrassed me in front of my family and made me a prisoner prisoner in my own country and then Amanda says he goes why shouldn't I and she says because you could save someone's life in the script she says something actually really nice about Francine she goes because there's a really terrific person whose life you can help us save so she actually likes Francine well at least in the script version she does (laughs) a really terrific person it's so nice. It would have been more believable if she said there's a really good agent or something. Yeah, she said terrific. <laughs> Amanda was, or I'm Kate was probably like, that's a bit person. much. Like, like for her to say she's a terrific person versus saying like she's a, a terrific agent or a good agent. Yeah. 
way more believable than <laughs> a nice, terrific person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Town actually does the right thing, and he he is going to help him. I love the shot when they're first coming around that corner and you have that tunnel. It looks so cool. But it's really cool. Jen, like you were saying about how they would trade spies on bridges. It's it's very much set up like that. You have the Americans on one end and the Russians on another. And you'd think there's border, but they're still, they're just in supposedly in Washington, D.C. But it's their way of protecting themselves on each side. They're checking with town to make sure he's ready to go. And uh, he's being pretty brave, you know? I mean, he doesn't have to do any of this. Yeah, for a university professor, he's really brave. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I would not like being strapped down to anything. No, especially in between the... No, no, thank you. That would be freaky. With all the guns and everything. Yeah, I mean, he really had to put a lot of trust in them. So Billy and Gregory are... At, you know, it's like it's like the kings on the chessboard. Who's going to get checkmate? It's interesting. So they do their signals and their counter signals. And uh, Billy says, okay, by the numbers, let's do this. They both get an eye. They both have binoculars and they get to check um, that they have the right person. So they bring up the real town and show them. And so they, they know they've got the right guy. And then Amanda's trying to sue them. She's like, it's okay. Well, they're just doing an ID everything's gonna be okay and then they bring up francine and uh they get to check on her too she looks a little tired (laughs) a little worn down so he's he's able to confirm it's francine and then uh they're getting them on the gurney because they're gonna swap the gurneys so how they have the gurney is they have it double-sided so they have town on one side and then they have popovich on the other side so when they're going toward them they have town and then they Billy has one of the guys blind Gregory with light, so he can't. You know, once you see it get blinded, you have can't. You have to like refocus, and so that's when they drop. They flip the the gurney over and drop town on the ground, so he he can get off to the side. And now they're going to keep going. So essentially, what they're doing is they're giving the Russians. Popovich back and then Lee's getting Francine then. I like when he goes up to her gurney and then he gives her a little wink and then goes and starts pushing her to the end. It's kind of cute. Like I gotcha. Like they're old friends. Yeah. Sweet. But then that damn paint on the shoe when Popovich had the paint on his shoe Gregory remembered it and so he knows that it's a, a, a trick. And then Lee realizes he's like get the light! And so they shoot out the light and then poor uh, town is kind of stuck in the middle and brave Amanda goes and gets him. Yeah, it's actually kind of dumb. Like, why is Amanda the one that's running towards the bullets <laughs> All to right. the civilian instead of somebody else doing it? Right. All these agents around. Come on now. <laughs> so Gregory, instead of like raising a big fuss, he just looks over at Billy and gives him like a little symbol like, all right, you got me. Tips his hat. Yeah, like, good for you. And then Billy tips his hat, like, until we meet again. So this is twice now. Billy's up two to zero. And then we have uh, back of the Q Bureau. And Francine's looking a little better. She's looking uh, a little uh, happier. Her hair is not so uh, wild. But she's wearing a terrible blue jumpsuit. (laughs) (laughs) You don't like the jumpsuit. I don't like the jumpsuit. How much do you not like it? Uh, So much, but it's horrible. And it's my, I'm going to say, terrible fashion. Crimes crimes against uh, fashion? it is crimes against fashion. Ooh. Terrible. So you is this your first crimes uh, against fashion nomination? It is. It, it is. is. Oh wow, and you're using it for this. 
And I'm sorry, Francine. Uh, <laughs> you found your clothes again. Oh, poor Francine. I think I don't think that Martha had any choice in her clothes. No, I think it was all the costumer. So you're right. I can I can say with no guilt whatsoever <gasps> that is a terrible jumpsuit. Is it is it leather? It looks leather to me. I I hope not. Uh, it it kind of looks leather to me. I'm going to look at it closer here. That means like material. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think it's just like. A, I, 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 um, I don't know how to describe it. I know. It's um like cotton, cottony, but not. Polyester? Uh, no. Not not nylon, not spandex. No. It's like a shiny linen. That's kind of. Yeah. Like, you know what? Like, that's what I was thinking that it was. I don't know if that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Her hair her hair's kinda cute with the perm in it. Yeah, a little bit. I agree. And these were big back in the eighties, these jumpsuits. Yeah. Oh, this is down from what I've seen. I remember I don't hate this one. I don't hate it. I you know what? I that was one fashion style of the eighties that I never wore. Yeah. Like, I hate jumpsuits. Overalls I wore, the stirrup pants with the big bag. Oh, the stirrup pants, yeah. Jeans with the peg legs I wore. And then you got the pop collar, too. She's got that collar popped, man. That that doesn't bother me so much as the rest of the whole jumpsuit. That epitomizes the 80s, those uh, pop collars. But it's so convenient, Miranda. You know, all one... I don't think that's the problem. Going to the bathroom was the issue. Like, yeah. I'm like, I don't want to wear something. I'm being sarcastic here. I'm being sarcastic here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's why I never really bought suits. Because the same thing. Like, I was like, what do I do? How do I know? I don't know. I like the blue on her, though. I think the blue looks pretty with her eyes. The color is good. Yeah. Everything else about it is terrible. You just don't like the jumpsuit part. Oh, my God. All right. Duly noted. It is in the books. We will have people vote on it for sure. They're having, they really like Chinese food. (laughs) They've had it like eight times in the past, like, week. Uh, They're all eating. Francine is starved. She feels like she hasn't eaten in days, I'm sure. They're all sitting around Lee's desk, and they have, like, a little side table there for them. They're explaining to the towns that... He wouldn't have been deported. Uh, he would have been traded and, and sent to uh, Russia because they thought he was a Russian spy. And she's like, doesn't he have rights? And he goes, well, we thought he was a Russian spy and they don't have rights. So, you know, they would have just sent him back. And uh, and good thing about the MSG part, you know, because a man wouldn't have picked up on that. He would have been traded and she'd never see her husband again. Now in the script, both scripts, like I warned you early on, they're lame AF. Um, the the draft one is just says, you know, it, it's kind of the whole conversation. Francine's not in it, uh, first off. Town says, oh, just glad it worked out. It was just Town and, and um, his wife in there, not Francine. And then they head out. Town and Sonia exit, leaving Lee and Amanda alone after a beat. Amanda says, I knew he wasn't Russian all along. And Lee says, oh, come on, Amanda. How could you have known? And Amanda says, whoever heard of putting soy sauce on borscht? Lee makes up an ugly face and Amanda laughs. And then that fades out. That's how the the draft ended, guys. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The shooting final, dated two days later, town leaves 
uh, him and his wife leave. And then Amanda says, I knew he wasn't Russian all along. And Lee says, oh, come on, Amanda. How could you have known? And then Amanda says, don't start. And then it ends. <laughs> I, I told you. It's better and worse at the same time. They're yeah. both horrible. Both horrible. I know. Thank God we got what we got, which is Francine in her little jumpsuit <laughs> says she needs to go get a candy bar. And uh, she leaves, and but not before thanking uh, uh, Mr. Town for saving her. And then the towns take their exit, which I do want to point out. Their guests in the in the in the agency don't they need to be escorted out? Like, don't they need an escort to like they could just like kind of wander around the agency? Really? Well, isn't the cure room like? Yeah, but they there's other offices upstairs. They've shown them in the past. Like okay. they could just kind of walk yeah. around. That's kind of odd. They just let them go. Well, he, he has an A one clearance. <laughs> yeah, but first off, they know the eight where the agency is now. I mean, it's just all kind of weird, you know, happenstance stuff. I'm sure, but it's a little odd that they uh, like they should have just had Francine walk them out. Black yeah, but instead they leave, and uh, Amanda still got her her chopsticks, and she's still eating, and uh, she goes, well. Yeah. There you have it. Mm-hmm. I knew he wasn't KGB. You knew? Mm-hmm. Mm, that's pretty strong. You were fairly certain, but you really didn't know. Uh, you know me too well. <laughs> no, no, no. Wait, listen to me, Amanda, will you? What? Most of the time, we only think that we know. Therefore, I can't really know you too well. Exactly my point. He's got to, like, what's his deal? He has to be right every single time? Like... He's got a country. He he corrected her like three different times just in that little scene. Yes, I mean, what did Miranda say? He's a dude. Yeah, he's a dude. I was gonna say it again, but yeah, (laughs) it's like really you have to correct her. He had to correct her. You knew, you really knew, and then she goes, "Oh, you know me too well." And he goes, "Well, you can't really know me too." You know, it's like what? Why can't you just let go, dude? have this one part that negates all the other things that she was right up. Yeah. She just gets right up one thing. And that is, that is the thing that mattered the most. Even though it matters. Like, she just gives up. She's like, yeah, whatever. Yep. <laughs> You're right. You're right. And then no, she goes, exactly. Right. And shoves it into his mouth like, shut up. Just <laughs> it's That's a cute tag. One of the cuter ones. And just look at how far it came. <laughs> Just a few days before, it was going to be something really lame like that. Those two I read you. Those were horrible. That would have been a horrible way to end it. Yep. Ugh. Anyways, that's a cute one. I like the fire brewing just at the surface with that on that one. They both mm-hmm. had they both had some little zingers. She had more zingers, I think, than he did. That was funny. Yeah, tensions right there at the surface. Yeah. Right exactly. I, I mean, I feel like I felt it at this point the most for episodes for sure. So the fire, yeah. the tension, and just the the tension between them specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. That, I think that's the most passionate they actually get. So today we do have some mail from Mrs. Marston. This is from Emily R. And she says, just wanted to write a quick note to tell you how excited I am to see that this podcast exists. And I haven't even listened to an episode yet. But believe me, I will be having a great binge fest and should be caught up by Lovely Little Affair. Thank you all for doing this. And what it meant to me at that time in my early teenage years. And how it's proving to be the warm, cozy blanket that I need in my world today. Needless to say, I really wish 
found you sooner. The good news is I found you now. Beth, Emily. That's so sweet. It's super sweet. And we are glad that you're here too, Emily. Yes. We hope that we make you laugh now that you're going to listen to the podcast. <laughs> right. By the time you hear this, it'll be very... <laughs> We'll be all old and decrepit by the time we're done, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like we've been doing this forever. Exactly, exactly. If anyone else would like to share their thoughts about the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at MKC Podcast, on Facebook at MKC Podcast, or you can leave us a message on the website mkcpodcast.com. It's time for Dottie's Bookshelf, where we'll give you recommendations that tie into this week's episode, Wrong Number. Our first recommendation is by Lainey Sullivan called Not Yet and was written in October of 2014 with about 1,600 words as a filler of sorts to the scene in this episode where Lee asks Amanda, how would she rate him? She replies with a saucy, I wouldn't, not yet. Our second recommendation is called Catching Up by Jaslyn and was written in March 2013, is just shy of about 10,000 words. This story actually starts out in season two, but it ends just at the end of Wrong Number. It seems Amanda's got a friend with benefits, and Lee is not too happy about that. Be sure to check out this story to see how it all ends. No wonder Dottie doesn't believe it anymore. (laughs) As always, we'll provide links to these stories on our website at mkcpodcast.com in the show notes. It's time to pull out some videos from the video vault that reflect the episode Wrong Number, which is an incorrect notion or understanding concerning a person or situation, which is definitely what happened in this case. This episode had some good spy history in it, including captured agents, impersonation by baddies, and a true-to-form prisoner exchange, usually on a bridge, but in this case, in a tunnel. Of course, Amanda's in the middle of it all, using her instincts to figure out the important pieces. So our first video celebrates Francine, who takes on a more realistic role in this episode as a field agent captured in Afghanistan. This is a change from her usual fascinista Uptown Girl. The song to celebrate Francine is Uptown Girl by Billy Joel, and the video was put together by Westy Ray. So that's a pretty cute one with a lot of great clips of Francine. The second song celebrates all the SK baddies that try as they might cannot win against Lee and Amanda. In this case, it's Gregory. The song is I Fought the Law and the Law Won by Bobby Fuller for, and the video is also put together by Westy Ray. So that's another fun one. It kind of goes over all the season baddies. Actually, I don't think Gregory is in this one in the video, but we'll celebrate all of them all the same. And The third video is a bonus video for this episode, and it's from the romance video clip series put together by SNK Jenny Lee. The clips are called The Agency Files, Amanda King, and there's several clips that are shown that illustrate Amanda thinking on her feet, using her dishwasher experience to fly a whirly bird or defuse a bomb, getting into trouble, and in this case, standing up to Lee in front of Billy. And the rest is Amanda King history, as they say. So we hope you enjoyed these videos. They can be found on YouTube, and we provide links on our website at mkcpodcast.com. So that is all we have for today's episode. Join us next time as we engage in a little paranormal activity with J. Edgar's ghost. As always, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time. Bye! 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 Thank you.